Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode 70, hour one. I love gold. And if you're watching on our YouTube channel or social media, you can see my uh, dueling volcanoes that I have going. The classic gold member on the right, that's what I've named it, and my lovely hybrid supernova. Uh, I used click and collect at Nova Cannabis to get it from my buddy Chris Ionson, so that's why I've called it Supernova and Gold Member is pretty standard stuff uh, when it comes to that. Welcome to the show. My name is Dean Millard, and it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy, and we're going to do a lot of that uh, over the next little while. We're going to talk about some medical cannabis news and more, but there is one thing that we like to do every time we start the show off. And that's find out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boom boom, don't it? Pipe in a grape, long in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I say what's your groove, I'm just wondering that uh, if you're listening to this, maybe you've got something going. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Pipe in a grape, bong in a blintz. Maybe it's just an edible. Maybe it's some nice groovy uh, CBD. Uh, if you are grooving with something, let me know. If you're watching, you can see the old uh, vape trick. Let the uh, vape start coming out a little bit uh, before you put the bag on. And you will get uh, cloudier bags. Uh, I am going, uh, what's filling up in this bag, as you can see here, is uh, some blueberry haze from Buds. Uh, used to be Trailer Park Buds. I have no idea how that ever got through in the first place, but they're no longer. They're Buds. But anyway, it's a blueberry haze. I'm a big uh, caryophylline guy. It does wonders for me. Um, maybe it does wonders for you. I don't know. That's the great thing about cannabis is that we can kind of find out what works for us and what doesn't uh, by by simply journaling and, and remembering some things. So there's a lot of really good ways that you can track your cannabis use. All right, so I got this giant bag from the uh, Volcano Hybrid of Blueberry Haze. Let me get my groove on. I don't know, I think muffins every time I have blueberry. And sometimes I uh, I don't always go at 200 on that uh, volcano either. Sometimes I'll uh, throw it down to like 180 or something like that. So this kind of all depends on, on what it is that you have going on. So, uh, all right. Here's what's coming down the hash pipe on this episode. Uh, David Wiley from the OZ is going to join us. He's back for after uh, taking the last week off. And, and we're going to touch on a couple of things. Cannabis and chemotherapy and how cannabis can can certainly make it 
better. I know from personal experience, having watched my mother and my wife go through chemo, just the negative effects that it have that it has had. And uh, there is now some proof that uh, key, uh, can, cannabis rather is helping out uh, with cancer patients and chemotherapy. Seth Rogen fighting the good fight to get rid of the stigma. Others are trying to fight against illegal cannabis, but it's proving very difficult. And uh, AOC on legalization. All of that to come on This Week in Cannabis News with David Wiley from the OZ. Malcolm LaBelle of the Green Generation Co. on the business of cannabis will drop by as well. We're also going to talk about the stigma, but with doctors this time, uh, turnkey micros and B Corps. That's all on the menu for the business of cannabis with Malcolm LaBelle. And our cannabis question is about the legal cannabis industry. And, and just quickly on that, uh, had some people say some things on uh, social media recently about uh, legal cannabis and, and anybody that works in it is just ass kissing and it's just stale. It's tried. It's been done. Like, I, I don't know. Do, do you, do you think you're some kind of cool person because you bash on, on legal cannabis? Oh, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to high school with evil ed bonus points for using evil ed from fright night this close to Halloween. But like, that just seems like it's the cool thing to do. Oh, I want to seem like such a different rebel person, or I'm I'm not like everybody else who likes legal cannabis. I don't know why you wouldn't. So I'm going to bash it. And by saying there's no good legal cannabis, it just makes you look so ridiculous. Do you really think that before legalization, every time you went to your dealer, you were getting primo stuff? Give me a break. There is great legal cannabis. There are some producers that aren't that great. I'm not going to sugarcoat that and say that there aren't. But there's like there's good burgers or there's good beer or there's good restaurants or there's good movies. There's good and bad in every industry. To say there's no good, you just make yourself look ridiculous. And why not just be part of the solution? Get on board. If you think illegal cannabis is so bad, try to make it better. Otherwise, just you know, keep your high school bully antics away from anything involved in my show all right uh, we're also going to do weed words of the day we'll give you one slang and one industry word and the slang word we're going with uh, i actually I, I i laugh at it because it's actually meant to be uh a slur towards uh the cannabis world and and i think it's hilarious and we'll tell you about the weed weekly where you can get in on our giveaways that we have every week but let's things uh, get things going right now with the cannabis question. It's prize time. <laughs> Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe and a grape, bong and a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. All right, for those uh, watching, you can see what the cannabis question is. Uh, for those listening, the question is, what made you want to get into the legal cannabis industry? Or if you're not interested or you're not in it, what is something that does interest you? that you might want to get into the uh, legal cannabis industry for. This industry is creating so many jobs. 
Um, and it is creating some wonderful cannabis and great people are jumping on board. For me, the reason I started this podcast was to learn. Uh, I wanted to learn more about cannabis. I, I, I had the idea about, um, about a show that, um, was a lot different than what it is now. And that's oftentimes uh, what happens with ideas is they, they start out as one thing. And you pivot a little bit. So so really, I, I got into this to learn and, and have some fun, but mostly to learn more about uh, the cannabis industry. And boy, have I ever done that through 70 episodes. So just for chiming in, you can win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Get us on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101. You can reach out on Facebook or Instagram, Cannabis 101 podcast. Or you can enter this contest as we do every week anonymously. You can email email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. We don't have to use your name or any kind of your identity on the show, but we will, if your name comes out, send you a prize pack. So just for chiming in, you can be a winner. And that leads us to telling you about the Weed Weekly. It's where you can get the latest on what's happening with the Cannabis 101 podcast. You subscribe to the Weed Weekly at the cannabis101podcast.ca. If you sign up, you're in the mix for our weekly prize pack every Friday, and the email comes out with all the information and future information, but it's only for subscribers, and it's an easy way to keep up to date in what hopefully is one of your favorite podcasts in the cannabis space. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. My good friend David Wiley from The OZ joins me as usual on This Week in Cannabis News. You can find them on Twitter at OkanaganZ and check them out online at OkanaganZ.com. David, it is uh, great to have you uh, back on the show. Uh, We missed you last week, especially me trying to do the news segment by myself, uh, bantering (laughs) by myself doesn't always work so well i hear you on that absolutely yeah it's uh been been a little rough uh you know i had a cold and then we got record snowfall here in the okanagan Uh, it's uh it's happy to be here be with you and have things normal again yeah exactly and uh, one of the stories that uh, we're going to talk about uh, this first story is you know, th- these are the things that I really can't wait to start happening more regularly and that we are starting to see uh, clinical trials producing results that cannabis can at least help people. And in this particular case, we're talking about chemotherapy patients. Yeah, you bet. So th- this was the world's largest trial of uh, medicinal cannabis uh, at the time that it launched in Australia. And just another bit of research to add to this uh, wonderful pile that we've been getting of information on cannabis and what it can do for people. Um, You know, the pilot phase of the study ran for two and a half years with 81 participants enrolled. And to be included in this study, patients had to have already experienced nausea and vomiting during chemotherapy, uh, despite having taken nausea prevention medication. So cannabis being a solution that's offered when other things don't work. Uh, nausea and vomiting are really two of the most common debil- debilitating side effects of chemotherapy. And this study found that a quarter of the patients taking medicinal cannabis experienced no vomiting and nausea compared to 14% of people who took a placebo. 
Uh, those results have now been published in the Annals of Oncology. Uh, there was a Canadian connection too. Actually, patients use cannabis supplied by the Toronto-based Tilray. Uh, Peter Grimison, who is a medical oncologist at Chris O'Brien uh, Lifehouse and associate professor at the University of Sydney, uh, and the leader here of this study said that nausea and vomiting are among the most distressing and feared consequences of chemo. And he said that these encouraging results actually show that medicinal cannabis uh, can improve quality of life for patients and that cannabis did include side effects uh, like dizziness and drowsiness in about one third of people, but those side effects are considered manageable. Now, uh, the trial is going to now move into a larger phase to determine with more certainty how effective medicinal cannabis is for these patients and whether it should be considered for use in routine cancer care. So that next phase is ongoing and is going to recruit an extra 170 people. So we'll be following along with that. Yeah, this is uh, such good news. Uh, you know, I, I watched my mom, unfortunately, uh, go through chemotherapy way too many times that I want to remember. And, you know, we lived in Brandon, so we would drive to Winnipeg, and the whole two-hour drive back to Brandon would just be her sitting in the backseat getting sick uh, because of the the side effects. And, and if there, if imagine if I could have just given her a cookie to eat and, and, and take some of that nausea away. I mean, I've my lifetime for a cookie at that moment. And I saw my wife go through chemotherapy. Thankfully, she's still here. And we did use some cannabis in, in some of her treatments. So, you know, and, and this is and this is just the, the tip of the iceberg, David, because this is talking about how we're treating some of the side effects of the treatment. In time as we go, we are going to be talking about cannabis as a treatment for some things. There are going to be some things that it's not going to treat that like modern medicine can't, but this is just the very start. Uh, we start with some of the symptoms and then, you know, down the road, we're talking about cannabis curing some things out there or helping and helping to be a part of the solution. So I, I'm so glad that there's a Canadian connection as vol involved as well. Yeah, absolutely. And here in Canada too, cannabis is actually already commonly used for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And the Canadian Cancer Society says that uh, we talk about research, that more research is still needed. Uh, to find out the dose and the type of cannabis that helps the most with the fewest side effects and how medical cannabis might interact with other drugs used to treat cancer. We, we really are on uh, an amazing road and journey to see how this is going to be used to help people. 100%. Uh, well, one guy that we know is uh, always trying to help people, whether it's trying to make them laugh or make them feel better about their cannabis use, is Seth Rogen. And listen, you know, Canada is really lucky. We had Tommy Chong carrying the joint early on, uh, and now we have Seth Rogen kind of picking up that mantle. Not to say that Tommy Chong is going anywhere, but really lucky in Canada to have two legendary cannabis advocates in the entertainment industry. Yeah, legendary is right. You know, Seth Rogen once again pushing cannabis into the spotlight. And he's beating the same drum here that many of us have been pounding for a while. And that's that cannabis should be as accepted as alcohol. And in a recent interview with the national news service, the Canadian Press, that was published far and wide, Rogan said that there is a constant cloud of shame around smoking cannabis while he grew up in Vancouver. And, you know, that shame still lingers in places. Uh, Rogan says that he, he smokes weed all day, every day, and has for 20 years. He says for him it's like glasses or like shoes, and that it's something that he just needs to navigate life. Uh, now, Rogan's really helped to break the stigma globally by normalizing weed in the Hollywood spotlight through his films, including Pineapple Express, 
he says that people have tried to make it seem like he's weak or he's stupid for integrating it so completely into his life. But like, look at the guy. He's now almost 40. He's married. And nobody can't say that he's not successful because he is one of the best known and most beloved actors in Hollywood. And now he's working with his childhood friend turned business partner, Evan Goldberg. They founded their own brand, Houseplant, uh, that a lot of us have tried. And, you know, they've really been pushing to make cannabis as accepted as booze. And Houseplant is the creator of a, a different drinks that have really become some of the best-selling ones on the market. And he would like to see the day where those drinks are actually sold in the bar. Uh, you know, and it just is a normal part of life. And really, don't we all? A hundred percent. And I love his quote at the end saying, first, let's get bars open again, and then let's start selling cannabis drinks in these bars. And um, they're coming out with a new lemon fa flavored drink. They also are, are very, very um, uh, working hard and, and, and very strong advocates of getting, uh, you know, criminal records expunged for the people that have been affected by uh, cannabis. So uh, I, I think this guy is the just a great spokesman, spokesperson for the plant recreationally, uh, you know, or medicinally as well. I love how he says, uh, uh, you know, we're coming up with this new grapefruit uh, drink. And uh, he, his slogan, he wanted it to be for people who don't like grapefruit because that's what they heard a lot of from. So, but the other interesting <laughs> story is that his childhood friend and, and, and partner, uh, Mr. Goldberg, is talking about how his mother is now trying cannabis. And this is something she used to yell at him uh, when he was a teenager for coming home high. And, you know, isn't that the ultimate thing, you know, to get those people that once thought this was the devil's lettuce to start using it in, in whatever form. So kudos to these two guys and, uh, you know, kudos for them to not just put out a product, but also try to advocate uh, to get rid of the stigma. So, so they're working it on both ends. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I love that part with, uh, you know, with his mom. I can, I can absolutely relate with both of my parents. They're definitely not accepting that side of my life when I was younger. And now they're uh, two of my greatest fans. So thanks to my mom and dad. Yeah, and, and also what I like is that they're also looking at this and saying, you know, our drinks are really healthy for you too. They don't contain a lot of sugar and, and we don't want to get into edibles until we find uh, a really healthy alternative. So the, so they're not just looking at this and saying, here's a bunch of cannabis, do whatever. They're really trying to be responsible with not only the cannabis they produce, but the message that they put out there. So, uh, you know, th these guys, uh, they should be poster children uh, for the cannabis industry right now. I, I think, I think they're doing a great job. I agree. All right, let's get to uh, something that's not so great, and uh, this comes uh, right out of uh, the OZ, and that, you know, we've talked about this in the past. There are people that have been complaining about illicit cannabis websites, stores, whatever, and they seem to be speaking to a brick wall right now. Boy, oh boy. Talk about illicit versus illegal. What a thorny issue. And I'll tell you, any time that I write or comment on unlicensed stores being illegal, especially when referring to those that are on indigenous land, I'm often called a bigot or ignorant. And, you know, when it comes to licensed retail stores out here, none of them want to be quoted openly because they don't want to have repercussions to their own businesses. Um, just talking about stores that are unlicensed and whether it's how to enforce them or how to bring them online. 
Uh, nobody seems to be offering solutions. Now here in BC, uh, cannabis retailers have been expressing this kind of frustration over the lack of enforcement, uh, particularly in interior BC where I am. They're arguing that they're losing money, that they're increasingly at risk of going out of business, and even that after investing their life savings into the cost of complying with the law. You know, meanwhile, you have stores that are unlicensed that are really doing business in plain sight and mm -hmm. publicizing the profits in the media. Um, so before this weekend's provincial election, I requested an interview or a statement with all three of the province's major parties and their leaders, and no one even bothered to reply. No hmm. one wanted to talk about this. Now, emails that, uh, that we've got here show that retailers have been trying to work with officials and communicating their concerns with the RCMP's Community Safety Unit and the BC Liquor Cannab Cannabis Regulation Branch, but they're being bounced back and forth. The government's deferring to the RCMP. Well, the RCMP is deferring back to the government and nobody is claiming any responsibility. Now the RCMP is saying, have you spoken to your MLA or MP? And our Solicitor General and uh, Minister of Public Safety here, Mike Farnworth, said that it's not up to him. In the email string, he said that the province does not provide operational direction to police forces. He said that he's sympathetic to the uh, alleged impacts on their businesses. And he's acknowledged that storefront and online illegal operators are an ongoing problem. However, he's rejected the proposed financial aid measures to help those legal stores, saying that it's impossible to determine which ones are actually impacted. Uh, and the RCMP, for its part, just hasn't responded to any request for comment. So nobody really wants to talk about this. And there's got to be solutions. And, you know, I've reported numerous times about different Indigenous stores that are encouraging uh, others to go through the licensing process, for producers to go through the licensing process. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're an inclusive industry. That's extremely important. But we also need to make sure that there's a level playing field here for everybody that is going through it the right way. And, hey, Let's acknowledge here that one of the biggest reasons for legalization of cannabis in Canada was to uh, take out that black market and make sure that the product that is, that, that is on the street is safe, is, uh, has gone through those kinds of te the testing and, uh, and licensing that we need. So, you know, I, I just want to make sure that this is an inclusive industry and that we're looking at, at solutions and that these legal stores are not being ignored. Well, e even if we went back to the uh, story we just talked about with Seth Rogen, where he talks about there's no secondary liquor market anymore because we made it ridiculously dumb to start selling liquor, you know, unless maybe you live in the Ozarks or something and you're selling moonshine, I don't know, or, or whatever. But there's no market for that anymore, and that's what has to happen with this illicit market. Listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting. I know the indigenous situation is very a gray area, and, 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 and I, I think that that is a situation where. I don't know if I would refer to that as illicit because it's a gray area, but there are illicit websites out there. I get people reaching out to me on Instagram asking me if I want to buy cannabis all the time. And when I ask them, are you legal? Well, no. Well, then no, I don't want to buy your cannabis. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit tired about the bashing of the legal cannabis market. And it's almost becoming 
the, the some some in the illicit market are becoming like those high school bullies. They think it's cool to bash the legal market and and talk about how trashy the cannabis is. Well, there's great cannabis out there. there there's also not good cannabis in the uh, the legal market. Just like there's bad hamburgers and there's bad beer and there's bad everything. There's good and bad in every single industry. So um, from the fact that nothing is getting done about some of these illicit stores, websites, and then the pushback onto the legal market, it's getting very frustrating. And, and, and it's, it's getting to be almost like a high school uh, immaturity level uh, from, from, from my standpoint. But like, this, is, this is just basic illegal selling. Shut it down. I don't know why everybody seems to not want to talk about this. Well, I guess I know why, because there was an election. And, and that's the big message here. Let's open up the conversation. Let's talk about how to solve this and how to make sure that everybody can thrive in this industry. Uh, exactly. All right. Well, we know that uh, cannabis has been a bit of a talking point in the election down south and, you know, maybe not as much as it has been in past Canadian elections. But we know and we've spoken about the Biden-Harris plan to decriminalize. Uh, well, there's more of a push from some other American politicians and uh, one in particular who has a very high profile wants legalization. Yeah, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to your list, known most commonly as AOC, uh, to powerful politicians in the U.S. who are standing up for cannabis. Uh, she said in a recent virtual town hall with Congressman Earl Blumenauer that she believes that cannabis legalization is extremely important. Now, Blumenauer is an Oregon politician. He's been a staunch champion of cannabis legalization. Uh, and, you know, AOC noted that Oregon's model is a really good one to follow. And since she took office, she said that she's seen members on both sides of the aisle come together on issues concerning civil rights policy and civil liberties. And that absolutely includes ending the drug prohibition laws. More and more Republicans are becoming increasingly open to decriminalization or legalization of cannabis. And she said that her spending bill amendment to divert $5 million in funding to the Drug Enforcement Administration, for example, to an opioid treatment program, uh, was approved in the opposition House in 2019. Hmm. The U.S. is past due, she said, to legalize and expunge people's records from the absolutely unjust war on drugs. A hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love uh, her passion. Um, I love how she stands up to the bullies, uh, and and there seem to be a lot of bullies in uh, in American politics. And you know, I shouldn't ex uh, exclude Canadian politics. Uh, there's some of that going on too. But she stands up to them, and she stands up. Um, seems to be for the 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 common person and the person that you know. At at one point, I, you know, people were making fun of the different jobs that she had and things like that. And she's like, I'm proud to have worked my way to where I am, as opposed to some people who were, you know, born on third base and claimed they'd hit a triple. So, <laughs> I think that her passion is great, and to have her supporting the legalization push is wonderful, and to have legalization and cannabis be some sort of um, you know olive branch. Pardon the pun a little bit is wonderful to be able to bring uh, these two parties together a, a little bit and and who who would have thought that you know when you were growing up saying this is your brain this is your brain on drugs and everything was you know that's the, that whole war on drugs and then you know Tommy Chong getting arrested it's just been an abomination and and it's great to see that there's maybe a push to try and maybe peel some of that back and give some of these people their lives back yeah i agree 
And it's interesting here hearing her talk about the different ways to go about legalizing cannabis in the U.S. as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one way is to concentrate power uh, to big banks and big companies and cut out small mom and pop shops. Uh, that's not what she wants to see. She wants to see right. the other path where everyday people, especially black and brown communities that have been disproportionately impacted uh, by the war on drugs can be at the front of the line and enjoying the economic benefits of legalization. And I think that that's great. And here in Canada, I think that that's something that we should also be putting an emphasis on uh, to make sure that there is a path for those communities, uh, indigenous communities to come in here and you join the party. Come on in, join the party. Yeah, everybody's invited, uh, you know, and, and, and when I talk about uh, the bullies of the, the black market, I'm not talking about the people who properly want to make the transition because we need those people. There's a lot of people that view legalization as what it is, a good thing, and we can build it to a great thing. And then there's a lot of people that want to tear it down. So it's good to see that on both sides of the border, we do have people pushing this movement forward, whether it's a Seth Rogen or a, a, a AOC, as she's commonly known. So it, it's it's awesome to see in that way, and and that's how we just do it. You know, I try not to get bogged down by the negativity of it sometimes, and 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 it's fortunate to have segments like this where you know my my faith can be restored. So thank you for bringing forward some great stories this week, David. Thank you, my friend. Always good to uh, see you. All right. This has been this week in cannabis news. You can find, of course, more information on Twitter at. Okanagan Z and check out the website okanaganz.com. Thanks as always, David. Thank you. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, I want to remind you that the Cannabis and Hemp Expo was supposed to take place in late April in uh, Edmonton at the Edmonton Expo Center. That was obviously uh, pushed back to this month, which did not happen. So now it's looking at uh, April 24th and 25th, 2021, again at the Edmonton Expo Center. You can get more information and find out all the details at CannabisHempExpo.com. We do have a booth. We will be there on location producing episodes. So please, if you're in the area in late April, please, let's hope that we have things under control a little bit better. We'd love for you to stop by, say hello, and uh, just meet the people who listen and watch this show. So CannabisHempExpo.com. We'll be there, and we'll have some tickets to give away as we get closer to the show. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malcolm LaBelle joining me as usual for the business of cannabis. You can find out how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. And it's uh, great to uh, have you back and see you again, Malka, as we continue with the video format for those listening. 
Uh, you can find us on uh, our YouTube channel, and of course, we'll be streaming on social media. But how are things today, Malka? Great, Dean. Thank you so much. Finally, I think we're getting a slight chance more to be fall, yes. like, you know, warming up than deep winter in October. So glad to see that. And uh, it's been a good, it was a great weekend, sort of feeling more normalcy, doing some industry stuff. Um, yeah, so ready to get going and share all the cool stuff that I've got for the show this week. Excellent. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, we're getting a bit of a warm spell here. Um, and, and it's nice. You can still enjoy it. But I, I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm ready for winter. It can come forward with all its might and I'll get ready for it. And, and then I'll start complaining about the minus 30. I'm sure that will happen <laughs> yeah, at well, some point. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about with our uh, lead topic today. And, and we're talking about stigma. And this is something that you and I are passionate about getting rid of. And, you know, I, I come from a situation where I've uh, been on a journey with mental health. And for a long time, that wasn't discussed. And now it's being discussed openly and in a positive way. And there isn't that stigma about having, um, you know, situations with mental health health that's where we that's the example i love using uh, with cannabis but when it comes to cannabis as opposed to mental health where the doctors are oftentimes the ones helping it's not always the case in cannabis that they are the ones doing the helping yeah uh, so this is a question i get asked a lot particularly from people that are sort of i'm trying to understand where the the parts of the industry are, need to be fixed, I guess, so to speak, or where is the biggest roadblocks? So um, it actually came up this weekend in more than one case, actually. It's kind of funny. I, I'm going to weave a couple of things through on this one. But the question really is who still holds the biggest stigma around cannabis? Like, who are the people that haven't figured it out yet? And the answer is really still the medical profession. I would say doctors, I think, are still holding the biggest stigma. And um, in thinking about that, you know, it, it came up again at the Hotbox uh, live session they had this weekend with people asking that question. And as well with my daughter, who today, as you see the artwork behind me, she's eight. She loves uh, painting and drawing, and she also likes making slime. And she knows because she's a child, she can't be on a cannabis anything related, although she would love to be on camera. And <laughs> she loves making slime. So she said, Mommy, can I make you some green slime for your show? I'm like, yeah, sure. So there's her slime that I'm making. I'm holding on to it because it just feels so cool. Um, but the point is, it's this concept is highly stigmatized around people that hold very traditional values and around um, how things are adopted. And that's what we're talking about with doctors. Really what it comes to is, you know, the, the medical profession, even if doctors are open-minded around the concept of cannabis, they're still have a, they're not the first ones to, to recommend it as a treatment method, largely across the board yet, at least not in Canada. And the stigma still holds true because even ones that are trying to work towards more research and more education uh, for doctors, for their patients, like the group Conigma.com, which is largely a resource for um, doctors and medical professionals to find more information about research and treatment. They're based out of the U.S. Um, and they have, or sorry, the website Conigma.com is based, I believe it's based out of the, is Israel, but a lot of their work is in the U.S., and really the medical information is only growing um, and, the, and the research and the you know, um, tri clinical trials by definition. But, but the problem around this and that I've tried to sort of identify when people say, you know, why are doctors having such a problem? It's legal, what's the problem? Well, largely is the doctors look at, at, at clinical treatment 
um, about treatment of disease or the way that the paradigm around that is about here's a problem and we need to solve it with one single solution. And that's a generalization to a much more complex situation. But the, the thing about cannabis is it's not that it's one part of the cannabis plant or one molecule or one extractable thing that is for a large amount of people that is the answer. It's the cannabis is looked at as more of a holistic uh, treatment, really a lot more in terms of, you know, like I would say almost like an Eastern style medicine, you know, if you think medicine and essential oils and, um, you know, holistic wellness practices like, you know, massage and acupuncture and, and even Reiki and, and Chinese medicine, those are all based on a plant and a holistic aspect and how how those things interact with the body again as a generalization and that's kind of counter to what western medicine is where it's like we're looking for a specific research that has a specific problem with a specific answer in a drug or and some side of some kind of therapy and because those two are very much divergent as an as a way to practice things they just are the doctor's box and the cannabis flower just don't mesh in this case. And that's what we're finding is that we're trying to fix a problem in a box that doesn't fit it. So doctors, we really have to break that mold from an entire healthcare system in order to overcome that ultimately, which will take a lot longer, I think, than than we really have for the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, we, we should point out there are some wonderful uh, physicians out there that are embracing cannabis. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to paint them all uh, with that one brush, but it's just not enough yet. And, and unfortunately, like you said, it's going to, you know, it, it might take a bunch of research. We, you know, we talked about yeah. uh, a research paper coming out of Australia uh, with uh, ca- cancer, pa- chemotherapy patients, uh, patients that are using mm-hmm. care. We talked about that in this week in cannabis news. Um, and those are the studies that are going to change the minds. It's yeah. unfortunate that it's, it is fairly rigid for some physicians that they're not as open-minded and they'll only take the advice of, Oh, now they're saying cannabis is good, which at least, you know, they will change, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, with, with science and research, hopefully they will change and start prescribing it. But like you said, it's going to take a long time. And, you know, I, I've known people that have asked their doctors about cannabis and have basically been laughed at. And, you know, yeah. that just sets everything back so far. And, and it's unfortunate <sighs> that those people have experienced that and, and not been able to have a doctor say, hey, let's let's look at some methods or something like that. Yeah, and you know what, I think now that it's legal in Canada, we're definitely seeing more doctors open-minded to at least documenting that with their patients. So sure. that's a definitely a good thing. But you're right, as a leading form of treatment, um, even within the cannabis industry, the medical cannabis industry has still, um, they want it to be the leading form of treatment, but they also know the boxes that they work in. So there, there's that, you know, so ultimately the reason why I talked about this this uh, segment was because I believe Kenigma is a fantastic science and medical based resource uh, out of like i said israel as is a backbone but they have contributors from all over the world um, that are talking about that research it is largely focused for doctors and patients understanding how to treat things so that's why i wanted to highlight them as a great resource it is very medical science uh, and research based for more information on that uh, how to do that if you are a doctor if you want to go to your doctor this is a great resource to point your doctor to because it is researched and um, backed by doctors and science to help people with that um, stigma. 100%. So you can check that out at www.conigma.com, C-A-N-N-I-G-M-A.com. All right, let's move on to change makers. And speaking of websites, uh, the website for these guys, www.turnkeymicro.com. 
com. So tell us a little bit about this uh, setup that they have. Yeah. So actually, yeah. So you've got, you got the both there. So basically turnkey micro guys, I learned about them from the BC craft farmers co-op that I am officially now a part of. And when we had our, um, panel last week with the with the bc provincial um electorates who have now decided that the ndp is a majority so yes that's Mm -hmm. great they made a decision um but the bc micro um group is a fantastic group of people and these guys are on the quality assurance committee um and speaking to them just talking to them i i compared them the thought in my head popped into my head was the comparing them to the Charlotte's web guys. So mm. the, I, I compared the two pictures cause they kind of look like these hunky guys, you know, in the <laughs> middle of a field of cannabis, changing the way people think about cannabis. And that's exactly what the Charlotte's web guys did, but these guys are doing it similar, but a little bit different in the sense that they're focusing on the micro or the smaller producer um, that can be anywhere really largely on farmland or any off grid. They've built what they call um, a greenhouse in a box which is literally a turnkey micro uh, setup that's entirely regulatory compliant or built around the compliance from uh, micro cultivators in Canada. And they essentially, you can, you can reach out to them. They will sell you the entire box for a very low price, pe- mm. price tag compared to some of the other quotes I've heard for building on a micro. And their concept is around a, gre- a greenhouse. So this is hard to wrap your head around in Canada where it gets friggin' cold, but um, they swear by it. I mean, they're on the Vancouver Island, which I guess that works. They have a bit more of a temperate climate. And we did speak about different heating and um, shelter options in when you are in different climates in the country, but their model is based around being able to be on BC agricultural land, which is what the micros in BC are largely around. So it's that ALR uh, land description, which is again, Mm -hmm. a ball it's literally a framework that was set up in the 70s that cannot be changed um, but there's zones where you can have this agricultural land and put a cannabis facility on it and then and no level of government can say no you can't do that because it's entirely within the restrictions of that type of land and you put up this um this micro uh situation micro grow and basically what they do is they ship you a sea can like a sea can uh you know a sea can the mm-hmm. big big thing that goes on a a, a a ship or a boat or whatever everything's inside the box so you kind of unpack the box and the box you set it up you build a facility or you build a greenhouse and then your um your sea can becomes your your space or your facility for for drying or storage sort of as a working office so to speak on the on the premise with including the the entire um fencing and security and everything it's all included and that's what it is, Turnkey Micro, and and they'll help you uh, with it if you have no experience, uh, mm-hmm. or you know they can come out and help or send you resources. But the whole concept is very much make it as easy as possible for more micros to set up and really grow um, the craft and the micro, you know, industry in this country. Well, and and that's what we we need so much more of uh, is is more people involved and growing different things and and um you know different uh varieties and this is like a micro grow in a box i can't believe that uh you can kind of get it just basically shipped to wherever uh and and i think this is kind of an opportunity for people to maybe dip their toes in a little bit and then say okay this is something i really want to get into or okay maybe this is isn't or maybe this is the level i want to stay at right it's kind of a good starting point if you wanted to maybe see what the industry was like 
Exactly. And, and so the, the reason I reached out to them initially um, after working and talking with to the micros and the co-op is I actually am literally working with finance partners that can finance the whole thing. Like if you own the land underneath it right. and you want to build a micro and you don't necessarily have like six figures to set out to do it, call me. I will help you get this to a monthly lease payment that's like building a house. It's actually cheaper than building a house um, in a metropolitan city. But if you have some land somewhere in the country um, and are willing to to learn how to become a micro and want to do it, this is very attainable. This lowers the bar to a, a, in a regulated program like we have in Canada to build something for yourself that you can do and is very attainable. And I love it. That's why I'm fo- f- featuring them as the change maker this week. That is great. Check it out at turnkeymicro.com. All right, uh, where are we going with what it means to be green this week and certified B Corps? So a certified B Corp, I learned about probably about six or eight months ago, I guess, what that is. When someone asked me, why don't you become a B Corp? And I'm like, I have no idea what that meant. Like, what are you talking about? So basically, after doing some research, it's a new type of corporation um, in the sense that, you know, traditional corporations, um, I would say, have, you know, they have a very strict uh, methodology for how you are as a business. You are a business to make money. You are a for-profit organization. On the other end of the spectrum is you're a not-for-profit organization, which means your balance sheet had to show zero dollars at the end of the year. So in this particular case, a B Corp allows within a business to be doing like a company or a business, but for the purpose of a very much a, I'm going to say, heal the world perspective, which is exactly what my company is all about. Um, It's a verifiable set of standards that allow for social, environmental, um, and really good change for public transparency and legal accountability um, to balance profit and purpose. So that's exactly what I'm trying to do. But in a traditional corporation or like in the case where I'm in an accelerator program, I'm trying to raise capital, you know, that's a really hard pill to swallow to be doing something for the greater good. That's like two ends, polar opposites Mm -hmm. of we're in this for the money and we're in this for the good. And it's like I was literally in a session where the, the, the strategic marketing advisor was saying you're one or the other. And they're giving examples of all of these companies that have done great things on the one end, like they talk about Apple and Google, um, and they were talking about segmenting your audience. And I was like, really, examples you're giving startups who, I'm sorry, but you know, I don't. We don't really look at Apple and Google the same way as we used to. You know, yes, yes, they are the boons of making a ton of money, but at the expense of people's privacy, security, as well as all the other harms we're learning mm-hmm. that are up in front of the courts right now. Like, I don't know if you're familiar, but literally Google's in front of an antitrust situation in the U.S. because they kind of own the market when it comes right. to um, business practices and monopolizing those things. So my comments around this are, why can't we do both? Like, why can't we want to make money and want to save the planet at the same time? And that's the purpose of my company. I talk about that all the time. And what I've learned is this is really something about opposable odds. So these are, it's a, it's a different way of thinking about things that I guess isn't common. It's more of one of those integrative thinking things. I learned about the term in a Harvard Business Review article. This is not how most people think, but I guess I think this way, and this is why I'm so passionate about it, is we should be able to do both. And now where we're at in 2020, and we're learning about all the harms that large for-profit businesses have caused our planet and our society. And here we are, you know, physically feeling them, you know, with the fluctuations in our climate and 
all of the other harms that have come to the world at kind of the expense of people and and the cost of capitalism i think we need to start thinking about we should try and be doing it all at the same time and now's the time right so that's what i'm saying is that b corps is a structure of a company that allows that to be the case and you can be essentially certified as a b corp that means you can still make money but not at the expense of saving the planet um, and there's a way to certify that there's a way to kind of be transparent in your in your um uh, trend with your financial um, banking and all your financial mm -hmm. records, as well as other metrics that don't necessarily have to do with money, but have to do with other measurable things that are showing that you're working towards a greater purpose than just making money. And I'm very excited. I hope to become a B Corp one day. There is quite a rigmarole process to become one, but I looked at some of the examples on the website. There's a lot of really great companies out there that are in Canada that are well-known brands like Patagonia is an example. There's a bunch of them that I've seen that are like, these are the kind of companies that I want to be is embody those values. So there is a path and there are a lot of them that are, have done it. And that's what I think it's important to about what it means to be green this week is to show other companies that are doing this and leading the way. Well, and, and I think there should be strict standards to to get that sort of certification. I mean, they're just like there should be. We've talked in the past about the standards of being organic grower, because that is doing something really special and, and really healthy. And this is doing something very special and healthy for the business community and the non-business community and, and, and other things out there. So the high standards to get involved in this should be there because mm -hmm. you do want to make sure you're you're getting the right people involved for the right reasons. Exactly. So I'm glad that this even structure already exists. Mm. Um, and like I said, it's worldwide. Like it's not just in Canada. I mean, I think Canada, they have a Canadian arm, but um, the standards apply worldwide. And the kind of thing is it's your, it's a growing community. There's always more people joining, which is great. Uh, but it means that they're doing it for the good of a purpose, whether it is the planet, people, they have to stake their claim on why we're in business. And it has to align with the rest of the things that they're doing. And that's essentially what it means to be green is being able to align whatever your purpose is with how you make money. And to me, that is the ultimate um, reason for being in business. And that's why I think this is really important to brought up this week. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, great topics. Uh, when we talk about what it means to be green, literally, that is what it means to be green. Malka, thank you, as always, for joining me. Check out greengencompany.com and find out how Malka can help you. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. Thanks, Dean. You as well. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant. Salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, weed word of the day. If you're new to the show, we give you one slang reference and one uh, industry standard reference. And the, the slang reference... Uh, is a term that just absolutely makes me laugh. It's devil's lettuce. Um, you know, it makes me laugh because if somebody referred to that, I would just think like, and they meant it. Like, you know, we, we use it as a joke. But if somebody referred to that was an actual serious person, I would, if, if you know, if my dad had ever said, I don't want you having this devil's lettuce, I probably would have just started laughing. Probably because I would have been high, but still. 
Anyway, um, the term, though, has some serious negative connotations to it. It comes out of the 30s. It was used as propaganda. You know, the, the first thing to, uh, to make making people think something is not good is gives a scary name. And uh, devil's lettuce and marijuana uh, were given to uh, cannabis in the late 30s. Uh, also, um, the term jazz cabis, uh, jazz lettuce, uh, or jazz cabbage, one of the two, came out of this as well, just to throw some racism in there for good measure. Uh, good old uh, people of the 30s, uh, particularly in the South, uh, not liking cannabis, and then you link it to um, uh, colored people, and then you have xenophobia. And man, people jump on board and racism. And so, anyway. Devil's lettuce is an evil term uh, where it comes from uh, evilness, but I think it's hilarious that somebody would actually use it. It comes from that whole reefer madness culture. The standard term is BHO. It stands for butane hash oil, and this is really uh, just another concentrate. You dissolve the marijuana in plant form in solvent, usually butane. The resulting product very high THC, generally more than flour, as you and anybody would know, uh, or even hash. It's uh, thick, uh, sticky oil. BHO is referred to as honey oil, dab, and you use it in dabbing, uh, earwax, shatter, depending on the manufacturing method. But it is uh, how one way to get the plant into concentrate form. So devil's lettuce... <laughs> And uh, BHO are your uh, terms we're going with today in Weed Words of the Day. guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. And that is going to wrap things up for episode 70, hour one anyway. Uh, big thanks to Malcolm LaBelle from the Business of Cannabis. Uh, she is with Green Generation Co., and David Wiley from the OZ on This Week in Cannabis for joining me on the show. Uh, if you're not watching, you could be on our YouTube channel or we'll also stream this out on our social media feeds as well. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you think, what we could be doing better. We're always open uh, to uh, advice on different things and would love to hear from you if you think uh, the show is good or if you think it could be even better. And if you think you could make a good guest or you would like to jump on board as an advertiser, please hit me up with an email, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. That's cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, when we next chat with you, it will be on Wednesday. We will have hour number two on Wednesday. 
And uh, Earl Oliver is going to be joining us. Uh, this is a, a story that I'm really interested to bring you. Uh, the brand is Gnome Star Craft Cannabis. Uh, so uh, I can't wait to tell you this conversation or give you this conversation because it's a wild story uh, that this, uh, th- that this uh, L- I guess, a producer has gone through. So he's going to be our feature interview. And Chris Ionson, the manager of Nova Cannabis, Jasper Av is our educator. We'll explore another strain on what's that strain. Past episodes can be found at podcast or cannabis101podcast.ca. That's www.cannabis101podcast.ca. And you can find more of my shows of a different variety at www.podcastalley.ca. All right, that is going to wrap things up for us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hour 1. As mentioned, Hour number 2 will come out on Wednesday, and we will release all the uh, segments individually as we usually do. Thanks to Malcolm LaBelle. Thanks to David Wiley. Thanks to you, the listener and the viewer. And thanks to the artist, My Dead Dog, who, as always, gives us the marijuana song. My name is Dean Millard. Remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. We'll talk again on Wednesday. Dope. I never smoked. You mind if I do it, Jay?